Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Maybe you'd run out of strength. Maybe you'd run out of hope. Maybe you'd run out of uh, just feeling good. Maybe you've run out of joy. I, I don't know. Have you ever been to that place where you feel like you've run out? Maybe you ran out of money. You ever been to that place uh, where you just run out? Uh, I want you to think about how, how, that, was, how that felt. What was that like? And how did you respond? Our scripture lesson this morning comes at a time where Elijah has been told by God to tell King Ahab, who was this dirty, nasty, rotten king. If you ever hear of King Ahab, think dirty, nasty, rotten. And, and he was married to Jezebel, and when you think of Jezebel, think of even worse, heavy, dirty, nasty, rotten. Because that's the kind of couple they were, not the kind you want for neighbors. And Elijah went to them, according to God's word, and told King Ahab that there would not be rain in Israel until God gave him the word, gave Elijah the word. And there was a drought. And when we get to our scripture passage, the the drought's been going on for quite some time. And we come to a a place where, where there's a lady who's a widow, She's not just a widow, but she's got a son. She's not just a widow with a son and all that that brings with it, but she's also running out in many ways. And in chapter 17, verse 7, we read, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing this God's most holy word. Mm.
You've just heard this week's focus scripture. Now on to the sermon, starting momentarily. Life is full of big blows, isn't it? There are times when uh, we get hit uh, frequently, unexpectedly. Uh, things are going along fairly well, and we think we have everything under control. Uh, we're just going day by day, and uh, you know, uh, like Adam, we can say, "Oh, God's answering our prayers left and right," and we're just we're just moving right along. And then all of a sudden, life comes and smacks us upside the head. And when that happens, frequently we look around and we're trying to figure out, okay, what can I do? How can I respond? And, and so often we look around and we see, well, I, I only have a little strength left and, and I'm tired and I only have a little resource. I only have a little, uh, a little finances left or I only have a little joy left or I only have a little peace left. I only have a little bit. And so frequently our response is to hunker down. And we, we're going to protect ourselves. So, so we put up the walls and we hunker down and we hang on to what we have with all that we have in hopes that somehow, maybe, <coughs> somehow, maybe we can hang on. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many times I've heard, you know, the, the, whole, the old adage, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. You, have you heard that before? And sometimes you may have felt like you've done that. Man, I'm just hanging on for dear life. I don't have much left. Um, what's interesting to me is that whenever we get to that point, Jesus' way of moving from there is very different than ours. Do you ever notice that? When we get to the end of our rope, I, I believe that God doesn't say, tie a knot and hang on. I think God says, let go. That makes absolutely no sense, does it? Uh, it makes absolutely no sense. I, I got to hang on. I, I got I to do it. I, I got to make it. God says, let go. Reminds me of the, that well. You remember that well that... It's in the middle of the desert, on that pass, that desert pass, and, and you come to it, and you get there, and, and there's a, a pump there, and at the base of the pump is a jar. That jar has water. Well, actually, there's a note at the base. Of that. There's actually a note at the base of that, that pump, and, and, and the note reads like this. The pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer into it, and it ought to last five years. <laughs> but the washer dries out, and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun and, a cork, uh, and cork and up. There's enough water to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. Pour about one-fourth and let her soak to wet the leather. Then pour the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You'll get water. The wells never run dry. Have faith. When you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next feller. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it. And you get all you can hold. Now, if you're really thirsty, that's counterintuitive. 
Because you see the jar, you see the water, and your first thought is, I'm thirsty, I need to take a drink. But if you do that, you won't get the extra water that you could have. You won't get the abundance of water that you could have. Intuitively, that doesn't make sense until we stop and step back and we understand how the well works. And if you understand all that, all of a sudden it begins to make more sense and okay, I can go there. The same is true by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus frequently gives us uh, uh, commands that go counterintuitive to our earthly minds. And it's always a struggle for me. I'm not going to speak for you all. I'm sorry, we, we went to the comedian last night. He was from down south, so if you hear some of that, you know, that rubs off pretty quickly. I, I, I don't know about you, but I know that, that when I'm running out, I don't feel like I can give any away. When I'm at the end of my rope, I feel like I have to hang on. And that's counter, and what Jesus calls us to is counterintuitive to that. Jesus somehow always says, if you're empty, give away. He always says things like, if you're at the end of your rope, let go. He constantly is calling us to step out. He calls us to do weird things like love our enemies and care for those who persecute us. He always calls us to do strange things that that just kind of go totally against what we think we should do. Brothers and sisters in Christ, be careful because the world is heavy in our lives. And it's constantly drawing us to to fulfill our needs, to fulfill our wants, to, to go in the direction that the world thinks will give us the pleasure and the fulfillment of life. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus calls us to walk a different path. And that different path frequently draws us to places that we never would have gone, but is filled with God's blessing. come to this widow, this widow who only had a little, and she only had a little resources, just a few resources. And she, I'm sure, looked at her few resources and kind of threw up her hands. We kind of hear that in her voice. She's desperate. She's trying to take care of her son, and her son isn't going to have enough, and she's not going to have enough. So she's gotten to the point where she says, we're just going to, we're going to cook this, this flour, and we're going to die. She's ready to give up. Now, I'm sure that there were some who had a little more than this woman, who looked at her and said, well, you know, she probably didn't make good choices with the flour and the oil she had before. If she'd have been a little more careful with her resources, perhaps then she wouldn't be in need today. Now, that's not in Scripture. There's nothing in Scripture that tells us that. A lot of unanswered questions here. 
One thing we do know that I hear a lot today, well, you know, if they were a little more, if they weren't so lazy, then they would have what they need. You ever hear that? I'm always reminded when I hear that of when I worked with the Committee on the Homeless in, in Philadelphia. And there was one guy that we spent a lot of time with uh, downtown Philly. And uh, he, he, all he owned was a bucket and a squeegee. That's all he owned. He lived on the street. Once in a while he got a blanket, but if you know anything about homeless people, uh, blankets are a dangerous thing because other people will beat you up for a blanket. So unless you're in good health, you usually don't want a blanket. That sounds crazy, but that's kind of the way it was. He lived on one of the grates downtown uh, where the heat would come up to keep him warm in the winter. He had a bucket and a squeegee. And what he did was every day he would go and he'd wash windows for the store owners in downtown. That's what he did. He didn't make enough money to afford a place to live. He he was able to get food, and once in a while storekeepers would give him a little extra just to give him a little more. Now some people would have said, well, you know, if he'd have been a little more uh, frugal with what he made, or or if he he had more... uh, had expanded a little bit. Maybe if he wasn't so lazy, the truth of the matter is he did all he could in a day and he still didn't make enough. We are always, I shouldn't say we are always, we are often quick to see those who have little as if if they're lazy or not good stewards or just haven't figured out what life really is all about and they need to figure it out for themselves. The truth of the matter is there are people in our world who are poor, who are unable to provide for themselves, not because they're lazy, not because they're not good stewards with what they have, but because they simply find themselves in a situation where they only have a little. And we need to stop and look at ourselves because there have been times in your life and in my life when I've stopped and I've said, I only have a little. It may not have been finances, but I know what it's like to have just a little. And what do you do when you have just a few resources? Well, let me encourage you that when you have just a little, the good news is you have just a little. Isn't that true? I, I, I liked our, our countdown timer for those of you who were a little later this morning and missed it. There's always those few or lots. Yeah, everybody, pretty much everybody's here today. Thank you, Veronica. Yeah. Uh, but, but did you notice the, the, the one lady got the little can? And I thought, yeah, she got just a little. And she's upset with Jesus because she's looking around. Other people are getting a lot more than she is. Jesus is saying, hey, look, I got you just a little. That, that's something. That's something. You see, our outlook gets skewed by looking at, and of course, our, our culture is all about that, right? You watch all the commercials, and what do you see? Well, uh, you may have nothing, and everybody else has all this, and what they say is just go get it. Just go get it. You can always charge it. By the way, Financial Peace University is coming up. 
and if you've been charging it, you, you should join us uh, and uh, learn some, some practical ways uh, to deal with finances, to deal with even your little bit. And, and so you, you look at that little bit. You have a little bit of strength left. What are you going to do with it? Well, remember, you have a little bit. God has given you a little bit. Grab hold of the little bit that you have. Elijah says to the woman, Good, you've got a little... I'm paraphrasing. Good, you've got a little flour and a little oil. Go make something. Good, you've got it. Look what you have. Don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you have. Say, Lord, this is what I have. And then offer it to Him and watch what He does. Because He takes our little bit. And if we're willing to give it to Him, He begins to put it to work. The Apostle Paul wrote it like this. Oops, sorry. Go back. Do that again. The Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being what? Content in any and every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I've learned to be content. What's it mean to be content? Does it mean, well, this is what I have and this is all that I need, so I'm just going to sit here? No, it means, look, this is what I have. And if you're content with what you have, you say, Lord, this is what I have. I give it to you. And then watch what happens. It's not, I am content and therefore I, I hang on to all that I have. And I'll be content with this, God. It's all you're giving me. But I'll be content. No, it's, God, this is what I have. It's not much. But it's what I have, and I offer it to you. I'm going to let go. Show me what happens. Now, I don't know about you, but that's scary. Isn't that scary? Uh, If you're not scared, you're probably not really letting go. That's scary stuff. But it's what we call faith. And you see, not only do we need we have a few resources, but we only have we only need a little faith. A little faith. A little faith. The scripture says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it'll do what? Move mountains. We just sang that song. I, I hope you heard that. Um, And every time I sing that, I think, yeah, that's true, but I've never moved a mountain yet. And I don't know about you, but then I stop and I say, so how much faith do I really have? Because you see, when I'm feeling good and when things are going well, I got all kinds of faith. But when I feel like I only have a little, then my faith gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And I begin to say, Lord, what are you going to do? Well, this is, what, this is what God has said to the woman. Did you catch this? If you read really closely this morning, you saw that in 1 Kings chapter 17, it says that God had already commanded this woman to supply Elijah's need. I, I have this great image of God whispering in her ear, listen, 
there's this important prophet that's going to come by. Feed him. And I can hear her looking at Jesus or looking at God and saying, what are you talking about? I don't have enough for me. How am I going to provide for someone else? So what she decides is she's going to make this last little bit before the prophet arrives, and we're going to take care of this, and then I don't have to worry about it. But when the prophet arrives, he first of all, did you notice, first of all, he asked her for a drink of water. Did you notice anything strange about that? Were you reading carefully enough to realize that they've been in a drought, and he asked her for a glass of water or a jug of water? Did you notice she didn't flinch? She'll find water. It's food she doesn't have. It's interesting. God had provided for her in other ways. And so when he says, and then give me something to eat, her response is, I don't have enough for myself. How can I feed you? And Elijah says, but the word of the Lord says... And he confirms what she had already heard. Feed me first. And there will be enough. And that's when we talk about faith. You see, uh, faith, a, a little bit of faith, will take you a long way. But you have to understand how faith works. You see, a lot of us say we, we have faith. Well, I have faith. You know, I believe in God, and, and I have faith. And we'll, we'll even read uh, that passage in, in Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, right? That tells us faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And we, we affirm that statement. I have confidence in what I hope for, and I have assurance about what I do not see. I, I'm right there. Until I can't see it, and until it's so far out, I'm not sure whether it will really come. But I'm confident and I'm sure. When we talk about faith, that's not faith. Let me say that again. When we talk about faith, that's not faith. You and I both know, if you remember clearly, the, James, James shares with us a little bit about what faith really is all about. He says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You see, you talk about faith and don't do anything about it, and it's dead, it's meaningless. But if you talk about faith and step out in faith, then you begin to see what faith is really all about. This woman does an amazing thing in my mind. She is obedient to the Word of God. Does it make sense? No. It goes totally opposite what she thinks she should do. She was going to go home, make a meal, and they were going to die. God comes along and says, no, I'm not a God of death. I want you to go home, make a meal for somebody else, and there'll be enough. Did you catch that? Go home, make a meal for somebody else, and there'll be enough for you and your family. That makes absolutely no sense. But because of faith, she does it. Now, I know a lot of moms, and the moms I know are all about making sure their kids are taken care of. Isn't that true? 
If you're a mom here today, my guess is that's what you're about. You want to make sure your kids are okay. Even when they're adults, you worry about them, you, you pray for them, you're concerned about do they have everything they need, you know, is there anything else that you can do? And, and if something goes wrong, the question a mom always asks, what I do wrong? Okay, kids, by the way, just know that when you goof up, it's your fault, not your mom's. And when your mom says to me, what I would say to you, what I do wrong, you tell me you didn't do anything wrong, I blew it. You got it? But moms always seem to take that on themselves. They'll do anything for their children first, before them. But this woman begins to understand a principle that we all need to grab hold of. If we are people of faith, we put Jesus first in our lives. When He calls us, we respond. Even when it doesn't make sense, even, be careful now, even when it puts our family in a strange place. And I say strange place because I, I want to say a dangerous place, but it wasn't dangerous at all. Was it? When she was obedient, God provided. What would have happened if she had decided, no, I can't afford, I can't afford to feed this prophet. I'm just going to go home and eat. Sorry, Elijah. Go find some other widow to take care of you. That's what our world would tell her to do. But because she had heard from God, and because it was confirmed by the Word of God, did you catch that? She had heard from God. It was confirmed by the Word of God. God had spoken to her. And by the way, a lot of people tell me, oh, God told me this. My first question in my mind is, and where is that confirmed in the Word of God? A lot of people hear God tell them a whole lot of things, some that are really crazy. And I want to know where is that confirmed in the Word of God? Whenever you hear God speak, go directly to the Bible and say, okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, confirm it. And Elijah confirmed it, and upon that she acted, and because of that there was enough. When you feel like you're at the end of your rope, you're ready to give up. Listen for the voice of God. Listen to His Word. And respond when He calls you, and you will find that there is enough. There were little resources and little faith. But there were a whole lot of days. A whole lot of days. This is the best part of the sermon. If you fell asleep, wake up now. Because this is the exciting part in my mind. Now, I, I want to be clear about something. Uh, God is in it with you for the long term. He, he's not just about going with you a little ways. He's ready to go with you the whole way. He's going to lead you all the way. And the neat thing about God is that He is always faithful. Always faithful. Not sometimes faithful. He is always faithful. Now I want to be clear about something. Nowhere in this passage does it say, and the woman went home and she poured out flour and she had 8,000 barrels of flour when she got home. And she was able to feed the whole town. And because she was able to feed the whole town, she bought that Mercedes-Benz that she was dying to have. It doesn't say that. Every day. 
every day she would get up and she'd look in that jar and she'd look in that jug and she'd see a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And every day she had to decide, was she going to have enough faith in this God who has been faithful yesterday? Will she trust Him for today? And she would begin to cook, and she'd pour out some flour and some oil, and she'd mix it up. Oh, what we got company today. Did you notice that? It said she fed not just Elijah and herself, but her family. Did you notice that? Was there more than her son that showed up? You remember, they're in a drought. There's a lot of people without food. All of a sudden, they find out, hey, did you hear about the widow? Yeah, this man of God's living with her, and we found out they got food. It's better than the food pantry. You got to come with, so they make their way over to her house, and there's a meal. And, And I can see her mixing it up thinking, Oh, man, look, they came. Who invited them? Guess I'll have to pour in a little more flour. But there was always enough, always enough, because God is faithful. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 136. Um, and you may have read it before and thought, man, this is, this is a boring psalm. Here's first verse 1. And you hear verse 1, you get the gist of the whole psalm. So it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Read this last uh, line with me. His love endures forever. Now what you need to know is in this psalm, the psalmist would give a phrase and, and the congregation would respond over and over again. His love endures forever, which is incredible. It goes on and on and on and on. You know why? Because, thank you, Kenny, exactly. His love endures forever. I want you to know, Jesus loves you very much. The Almighty God, Creator of the universe, loves you so much that His love will never, ever end. <coughs> Excuse me. He loves you so much, and He proved it, right? By sending Jesus, His only Son, to die on the cross for you and for me. Why? Because we were sinners. We were lost. We had no hope. We, had, we didn't have little hope. We had no hope. Until God decided, because of His incredible love for us, while we were still enemies, the Scripture says, while we were sinners, while we were doing things that went against His will, it made all kinds of sense in the world. And the world would have said, hey, we're good people. But in the eyes of God, what we were doing was wrong. And God, in His incredible love, looked at us and said, I want you to be a part of my family. People who go to adopt, they, they like to adopt babies because, you know, babies are, are cute and cuddly. You know, a lot of teenagers don't get adopted. You know why? <laughs> teenagers are difficult. Teenagers make bad choices. Teenagers are trying to figure out what life's all about. While we were foolish teenagers, God came to the orphanage and He saw you and He saw me and He said, I want that one. 
I don't know about you, but when I think back of it, I think I, I, I just stood there like, you're kidding me. You want, <laughs> you want me? You don't understand, God. I, I'm not a good person. I, I got, you know, I'm trying to figure this all out. I'm, I want to do it my way. And, and he said, no, no, you're the one I want. And he said, I love you so much. I, I'm going to take all this ugliness, that, all this anger and hurt in your life, and I'm going to put it on that cross. And I'm going to have my son bear all of that for you so you don't have to carry that around anymore. You don't have to carry that around anymore if you'd be a part of my family. The question is, will you do that? Will you be a part of his family? Now, some of you have been coming here for a long time, and you've heard this over and over again, but for some reason you have yet to say yes to Jesus and ask him to come and take that sin away and, and, and adopt you officially. I hope today's the day because His love endures forever. And no one in this world will love you that way. No one will love you that way. The way that God does. So when you're at the end of your rope, let go and put your trust in this God who loves you more than anyone else. And you will find, you ready? You will find Him faithful. You may not be faithful, but He will be faithful. And when He's faithful in our lives, then we begin to see that all these little things are enough. The Apostle Paul figured it out. This is what he said. He said that when he had that thorn in his flesh, when he felt like he couldn't, he couldn't do what he needed to do because he had this, this problem, this situation. No, we don't know what it is. I think that's great. I'm glad God didn't tell us what it is. Because if, if God had told us what it was, we'd say, okay, well, if I had that, then I would be like Paul, but I don't have that. And the truth of the matter is we all have our, our brokenness. We all have our insecurities. We all have our littleness. This is what Paul heard from God. God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul begins to gladly boast about his weaknesses. I love it. Because he sees in that God's opportunity to work miraculous things in his life. So what about you? You find yourself with just a little. Can you be content with that little bit? Can you be willing to share that little bit? You say, but pastor, if I share it, I won't have anything left. That's what the world tells you. It's not what Jesus said. So you only have a little bit of faith. You say, well... Well, Pastor, I just don't know if I can follow through. Take that first step. Watch. Let go. Put your trust. Do you really trust God? That's the question, isn't it? Do you really trust Him? Let go. 
And remember that He will be faithful. He will be faithful. I don't know about you, but I only remember so many of stories. You know, I get bits and pieces. So when I retell them, I can only give bits and pieces. I remember a missionary one time. I don't know who they were. I don't know where they went. I don't know where they served. But I remember this missionary. I don't even remember who it was. But I remember this missionary talking about the offerings at their church on the mission field. And he said the people were poor. They didn't have anything. So they come to church, and they take up the offering like we're going to do in a minute. Please don't do this. <laughs> this is not a good time to tell this story. I just figured that out. <laughs> Got to think these things through ahead of time. But what they would do is they, they, they would all come, and, they, and they'd take up the offering. And when, when the offering came up front, they'd give praise to God for all that they had, what little it was, all that they had. And, and then they'd get to the offering, and there would be a few little bits of money, but mostly in the offering was piled high these notes that were IOUs. People had nothing. So IOU, I, 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 I want to give to God, IOU. And the missionary said the best part of worship was after church. They'd all go out back singing praise to God for all that they had, what little it was, which wasn't hardly enough for anything. And they count the money and they say, wow, look at that. Whew, never thought we'd bring in such a great offering. And of course, they counted all the IOUs too. And then they build a fire and they burn all the IOUs. That's the God we serve. We owe Him everything. We can't give enough for Him. And he takes our IOUs and he burns them. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you have no idea what we're talking about. But I can tell you this. The one thing you can understand is that God loves you very much. And he wants you to live a life where you are no longer striving to have lots or to be better than someone else, to have more gifts than somebody else. But you're striving to serve Him with whatever you have. And it'll change your life. You have to be willing to say yes to Him. Won't you do that this morning? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank You for this incredible story. That incredible moment when this widow, Lord, who doesn't come from a country that even recognized you, and yet you began to speak to her heart, and in some miraculous way she began to trust you. And you changed her life. And you changed the lives of her neighbors. And Lord, many more as you provided for Elijah through her and Elijah went on to continue to serve you and, and to be used by you. And Lord, this morning as we bow before you, we, we have that opportunity. Not just to listen, but to respond. To offer to you the little bit that we have left.
and to trust you in it. Help us, Lord, to let go this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.